This is the We Fish with Phoenix Boats podcast, built by anglers for anglers. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the We Fish with Phoenix Boats podcast. I'm your host, Tim Trockenbrook. With me, as always, and in my shadow, Brian Travis, my co-host. And today, we are lucky to have in studio Brock Mosley, all the way from Collinsville, Mississippi. Uh, Brock, how's the off-season been going for you, bud? It's, uh, you know, it's been busy, a lot busier than normal. Uh, a lot of stuff going on, a lot of cool stuff. Uh, the business side of the industry's picked up, and, uh, you know, the... Uh, been able to visit a lot of cool places this off season. Uh, I got to go to Garmin headquarters uh, a couple of weeks ago. That was pretty cool. See the behind the scenes and uh, uh, do some things for other sponsors I've had. It's been pretty busy and uh, it's, it's really kind of flown by to be honest with you. It's got to be busy. You got a, a one year old or just turned one not too long ago. I have a 13 month old and one more on the way. Do you? Excellent. <laughs> Congratulations. going to have two under two, so it's, it's just going to get real busy. <laughs> well, we're about to have a party of four in our house. we got one due uh, January 3rd, but yeah, yeah. we may be a Christmas baby right now. So yeah. I don't even know if I should be at work today. So. <laughs> yeah, I heard that. Brian's got four, so you and me together, we could probably team up on them four kids. That's yeah. right. We can, we yeah. can put together a little uh, outdoor basketball game once y'all get y'all something going. <laughs> I'm pretty sure this is going to be my last, so, <laughs> so let's hope. Is it boy or girl? I don't know yet. We actually just found out a couple weeks ago, and uh, it looks like he's going to be a July baby. Excellent. And, uh, so we're hoping for a boy. I got a little girl right now, and uh, I don't know if I can handle two girls. I'm the same <laughs> way. I got a girl now, boy on the way, and... Uh, We'll make sure to not air this before you tell all the grandparents and aunts and uncles. Before. Uh, we we already got everybody. Okay. Tell, so okay. We're all good. good on that end. Well, let's uh let's kind of start back where you uh you so you grew up in Mississippi, lived there your whole life. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When did you kind of get into fishing? Was it a young age? You know, I've always had a had a passion for it. My dad and my uncles used to take me pond fishing or to the lake next to the house when I was uh, old enough to, to to throw a bait caster, you know, or a spinning rod and. Uh, I really got into it. My dad owned the owned the boat dealership when I was, you know, probably seven, eight, nine years old in that range. And uh, you know, I spent a lot of time, yeah, in that dealership, just you know, getting on everybody's nerves, probably. But <laughs> um, you know, and uh, he hosted a lot of tournaments on the lake next to our house. And uh, you know, I, I spent a lot of mornings on on the bank watching those uh, guys blast off, and uh, it really kind of lit a fuel uh for me to want to pursue this and uh you know ever since i realized that people can make a living at fishing this is really all i've ever wanted to do mm-hmm. so now what lake was that uh oak tibby it's not very big it's it's really like four or five thousand acres it's not big at all but mm-hmm. you know I, re- I remember seeing you know 70 80 boat tournaments take off and uh you know at the time it just it seemed like a huge deal to me because you know i'm just a little kid and uh you know it was kind of cool, him being a, a boat dealer. He took me to my first classic in like '96 or '7, somewhere in that range in Birmingham. Yeah, and uh, you know, seeing that people who actually do fish for a living, it is like you know, opened up a whole new window for me. And uh, you know, that's like ever since then, it's all I've ever wanted to do. Well, that expo is pretty impressive when you see it for the first time. I mean, you see the TV show and you're like, okay, you the tournament's the biggest title in the world, but then. Uh, then you see that expo, and it just—I mean, there's everybody in that room is there based off of a fish. I mean, it's incredible. It's, it is, man, and and 
and literally it was in Birmingham and Birmingham to me is the best facility to have a classic because um, the expo's all in the one. Mm-hmm. And when it's all in the one like that, you really see how big it actually is. And uh, it's really overwhelming still today. Oh, it is. Now you grew up around the dealership. I mean, were, was your dad letting you hang around the shop working on boats or were you just kind of taking it all in? I mean, what, what, you know, uh, what kind of role did that play in you growing up in, in this industry? I've always had a fixation on boats ever since he owned that dealership. You know, I have a great respect for boats mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, I, I just, uh, you know, I would, I would watch, I did a lot of watching them working on boats. Um, you know, until I got older and learned my weight in and out of a boat. And, uh, you know, it, uh, it played a big, you know, a big piece because, you know, I respect a boat for what it is. And, you know, even if you get a small scratch on a boat, it just kills my soul. Cause, <laughs> I mean, even I remember, you know, going boat to boat in the, in the boat yard and just going through it, every compartment. I mean, I'm sure there were some guys buy some boats that were like, man, what is this candy wrapper doing in here <laughs> or something? Why are all these fingerprints on everything? Yeah. yeah. And, uh, so I've always just been a, a really big boat guy, and that's uh, you know it to this day it it, it still stays with me. Mm-hmm. So a few minutes ago, you talked about uh, the first time you got to go to the classic as a kid, really having that realization that there are people that that have a uh, form of making a living based on on chasing green and brown fish around the water. Who were your idols at that time? Who did you look up to in the professional circuit once you saw that stage? Well, back then, that, that's when fishing was on ESPN on Saturday mornings. That mm-hmm. was the big deal. And you, your big shows was Jimmy Houston, Roland Martin, and Hank Parker. Those mm-hmm. were the three big ones. And I remember seeing those guys at that event, and it was just overwhelming. I mean, just like starstruck because here's somebody I've watched my whole life on TV, and now I'm uh, – getting to watch these guys compete. And, uh, you know, I still don't take for granted. I, I, I get to, I've gotten to fish with, uh, with Jimmy and Roland in my career. And, uh, you know, I get to talk to Hank Parker now and, you know, it, I still don't take it for granted for, for looking up to them guys when I was a kid and watching them on their shows. Mm-hmm. I get kidded around here all the time. Davey Hype was my hero growing up. Uh, when I got to see him win that classic and I had an aluminum boat that I painted just like his Triton. And then, I met him, I guess, 2013 was the first year I ever met him here, and now I just get crap for it every, every day, but that's all right. Oh, yeah. We're all kids at some point. That's yeah. right. Some of us just don't grow up. Uh, I know. I'm right we, there. All, I'm we all have idols. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with it. Now, did, you, uh, did your dad take you to any of those tournaments growing up? Like, were you getting to compete at a younger age, or when did you really start tournament fishing? He, uh, he hosted a, a pick-a-youth tournament every year. Mm-hmm. And uh, what it was is it was an adult. It got to pick a kid 16 years or younger. And every year he I got to fish in that one. And then he allowed me to – he started taking me fishing our club tournaments as a kid. But as far as the ones he put on, he didn't fish mm-hmm. just because he was sponsoring it. And uh, so, uh, you know, I spent – I would wake up and go to blast off with him, watch guys draw boat numbers and come through and register and all mm-hmm. that. And uh, I spent a many a morning – watching guys come come draw boat numbers old-fashioned way just drawing a ping pong ball and uh blasting off and uh you know i still you know to this day i it seemed like yesterday but you know it's something that really fueled me when i was younger mm-hmm. did you play any sports growing up uh baseball and football uh i come from a big time baseball community we were actually number two in the nation uh my senior year mm-hmm. and uh 
I went on to play three years in college, and, uh, you know, I love baseball. I, I love all sports, to be honest with you, but, you know, I always wanted to fish. So after my junior year, um, I actually didn't get sent off that summer to play uh, in a wooden bat league. I got to fish a BFL, and I didn't really do worth the flip, but I'm like, <laughs> this is what I want to do. I'd rather mm-hmm. do this than play ball. So I gave it up and uh, really started working toward my career at that point. Did you play uh, – what, what position did you play? I was an outfielder. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, that was so, uh, probably close to 10 years now and probably 30 pounds ago. <laughs> <laughs> and where did you go to school at? Uh, Delta State University. Okay. Yeah. That's awesome. Who's your team you watch now? I'm a uh, – after I left Delta State, I went to Ole Miss, and my family's big Ole Miss people. Okay. Yeah. Now, did you fish uh, at all in high school? I mean, playing a sport, definitely a springtime sport. I mean, you're missing the spawn. So, did you leave practice, or if you didn't have games on the weekend, did you go fish? Oh, absolutely. Uh, back That's when – when I started driving, that's when we started hauling the John boat all, way, mm-hmm. all over the place. And, uh, you know, most kids, when they graduate high school, they all want a brand-new car or something. Well, my graduation present was an 18-foot Ranger. Really? <laughs> yeah. How'd your parents give you that? Put a big bow on it? or? Yeah. Uh, I actually came home from baseball practice one day, and it was sitting in the driveway. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, best thing my dad gave me was a co-signature for a boat loan, but <laughs> oh, yeah, well. you know. But I I was pulling it with a thirty-five hundred dollar truck, so <laughs> that's what I just sold my truck for. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> oh shoot! So uh, when you went to Ole Miss, you fished for you fished with collegially with like the uh, southeastern. What was it, Jan Swimmers deal over there at Auburn that he put on? I fished a couple years or one year. In college, uh, mm-hmm. it was my second year at Ole Miss, and I fished a couple of those tournaments that they put on Auburn would put on, and then uh, I fished. Uh, that's really when Bass. That was the first year Bass allowed a college qualifier to go to Classic. Mm-hmm. And that was uh, that Andrew Upshaw, right? Andrew Upshaw. Yep. Me and my partner actually won the Super Region that year, and uh, we uh, got to go to the national championship. We didn't do very well, uh, but you know it's still kind of like I said, it all added fuel to the fire. Mm-hmm. I remember fishing those Auburn events, and we we always drew out a whole bunch of folks from all over. And all we were fishing for was, I think, a graph or oh, I know it, a hydrowave or something. I mean, which is still a good prize, but and I don't think we paid an entry fee, did we? No, I don't. I mean, I remember fishing one on the Tennessee River on Wheeler, but we couldn't go into the lake. We could only fish from yeah bridge to Gunnersville Dam. I remember that one. That one was interesting, uh, but that was always a fun program. I mean, that was when college bass fishing seemed like it was really starting to get some traction. Oh, absolutely. Uh, what was it? FLW used to have a college deal, but you couldn't even drive the boat. They had boat captains for us. Yep. I, I remember being a captain in some of those events. Mm-hmm. And then you finally got to start bringing your own boats, and then uh, they started opening up the field to more teams from one school. And, I mean, it's just now there's two, 300 boats in the tournament. It's, uh, it's pretty crazy. College and high school fishing is really – took off and it's the reason our industry is healthier than it's ever been probably and growing and that's i've said this a lot this off season and i think that's why you see companies like realtree and mossy oak trying to get into the fishing industry because they see it exploding in that high school and college range you know some high school events you see with three or four hundred boats mm-hmm. and uh, you know it's it's the industry as a whole is growing and uh, the the future of the sport is looking brighter and brighter oh absolutely so you got uh so you came by to see us today obviously to, to pick up the new rig 
Um, so why don't, why don't you tell us about uh, you run a 20-foot boat. Sounds like you ran it. You ran a 20-foot for a while. What uh, In between that 18-footer you got in high school and the 20-footers you ran today, have you ran any other links in between there? You know, I've always been comfortable around the 20-foot. Uh, that's the reason I run the 20PHX, and before the 20PHX, I run the 920. Um, because back home, we have a lot of shallow, muddy, and stumpy lakes and rivers, and for me, that's a better fit. Um, it don't feel like a big, bulky boat behind me when I'm fishing, and it's really what I've always been more comfortable with. Okay. Now, when did you decide, and I, I want to go back real quick, you finished up at Ole Miss, fished <coughs> a little bit, had some success at the college level. I mean, what were your next steps? Did you have a job in mind that you were going to go apply for, or did you say, I want to, I want to give a couple of years to try to try to make it? So I graduated with a business marketing degree, but I knew if I would have went and got a real job, so to speak, with my degree, I wouldn't have the time mm -hmm. uh, to fish like I w would need to to probably make it. So I did a lot of roughneck jobs, so to speak, construction, plumbing. I've done it all except electrical work. I just I won't touch. I won't either. Work. I'm um, scared to that. And so I did a lot of that, a lot of that kind of stuff. Uh, I actually went and. I uh, worked a little bit with Drew Benton down there on the port. And, uh, you know, I have just did whatever I had to do to make money to keep going. I've heard that's some rough stuff down there. It it can be. Mm -hmm. um, it, it, you know, when I, the time I went, it was in the wintertime and it was, it was cold and windy, but you know, it's, it was, it was interesting for sure. So what'd you do? Uh, I mean, while you're doing these jobs, you fishing BFLs. I remember us fishing, ABTs, what was that, 15? 2015 was the last year you did because you had qualified after yeah, that, didn't you? Yeah, I fished. Um, I took it slow. I mean, I started out BFLs, and then when I was fishing BFLs, I fished Costas as a co-angler. Mm -hmm. And then I wanted to broaden my horizon, I guess, so one year I fished the Bama BFLs along with the Mississippi BFLs to get on some new fisheries. And, you know, I, I didn't like – have a chance to win at any of the BFLs, but I was getting checks constantly. So then I felt like it was time to move up and I started fishing opens in 2013. And, uh, I nearly qualified my first year. I finished, um, seventh in points. And, uh, I, honestly, I wasn't ready to make the elite sim, but I was kind of heartbroken that I came so close and didn't make it. So in 14, I fished all three divisions of opens and uh, I really wanted to go up north and learn how to catch smallmouth and uh, and fish some new bodies of water. And uh, I ended up having a pretty solid year. I didn't there again. I didn't qualify, but I finished in the in the top fifteen at points in all three divisions. And at this point, I knew it was it was just a matter of time before I made it. Mm -hmm. And uh, like I said, I, in two thousand fifteen, I got to fish the Alabama Bass Trail. Cause these guys, those guys down there are good. I mean, ever like you go to them guys, catch them. It's really good competition. Plus, it was a year for me and my dad to fish team events together, mm -hmm. like we used to when I was a kid. So, um, that was the main reason we did it. And uh, <coughs> you know, we we did okay. We didn't ever. I think we come close to winning one of them. I think we finished third or fourth in one, but. Man, them guys in Alabama, they just, they'll whoop your tail. Oh, they're sticks. Oh, 20, yeah. 25 guys every tournament. That's their home lake. And yeah, that's it, man. Them half guys. of them got out there. I mean, it's a, it's a really good place to cut <laughs> your teeth on. I kind of want to go back real quick to 13, though. Do you think your career would have been different had you made it? I mean, well, I mean I, no other experience outside of that one open division. Do you think you'd be where you're at today? No, nah, I really don't because, I honestly, I wasn't ready. Mm -hmm. Um 
I uh, I didn't have the 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 sponsors, the relationships with sponsors that I do today, or I did my rookie year. Um, I think I think 2014 I was the first year I went to ICAST and uh, kind of got you know started doing more and more in the business side of the industry. Um, so no, I really don't think I would have I'd be here today if I would have made it. That's that's crazy how that timing can play a, a difference in a in your career. I mean, had you gone in, made that, but well, I guess it could have been one fish difference. Oh, absolutely! It for was. two points, it was, I mean, man. I, I went into the second day of the third open in that division, the final open, second in points, and I didn't have a bad day. I had an off day. I, I fell from like twentieth to fortieth in in the tournament, and still I, I got the last check, but it dropped me all the way to seventh in points. And that day, that second day, I remember I lost one that was. You know, five or six pounds and a four pounder mm. at the boat, both of them. Where was that at? <coughs> Ralph's Barnett. Mm. So home, home, home lake, home lake, yep. right there. Gosh, that's just crazy how timing can work out for you there. Oh yeah. So looking forward uh, to this season. I uh, got a classic qualification. How's that feel? Uh, it's pretty good. I mean, I worked my whole life to get there. Mm. Uh, <coughs> I think I'm, I'm not trying to get you choked up now. Are you okay? <laughs> I think I done swallowed something. We're too low budget to have a water cooler in here, but <laughs> if we uh, need to stop. You know, it, it's what I worked my whole career for, and to make my first one in Birmingham where I went to my first one, is it's a dream come well, true. That's a cool sure. story, yeah. yeah. What's a walkout song going to be? I don't know yet. Really? You know, I may let the fans pick it. <laughs> well, we got them back, y'all. So uh, much better. <laughs> we brought them back from the deathbed there. But I think I inhaled a, a moth or something. <laughs> it's that new fresh paint smell in the studio. Yeah, <laughs> so we were talking about the classic. I mean, that's just got to feel like a culmination of a career that you went there, saw it early on, and now you're getting to walk across that same stage. I mean, that's something Brian and I, we'd like to say we'll get there. We're not. <laughs> I mean, so speak that's for, just... Speak for yourself. What? <laughs> I've seen you at the Wednesday nighters, Brian. Hey, we know people. We we might get them to let us walk across the stage. Okay, yeah. <laughs> once all the, they might let us sweep the confetti. That's probably. Right. You know, it's 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 going to be a special deal, especially being the fiftieth. It's going to be a huge show. I know Bass has got is going to put on a first class event, and uh, you know, I you know I I believe like the first week they announced Birmingham as the as the the host that. I think like six or seven hotels booked up in the first week. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be a huge event. And, uh, you know, at the site, it's going to be different for me because I've never fished one, but I'm usually working the expo. So uh, (laughs) I actually got to go into it looking like it's just another fishing tournament. So it's going to be a big deal. It's going to be a great time. And uh, these guys are going to catch them. And it's nice, too, that it's not too far from the house. I mean, you're going to have no. a lot of family support come by, I'm sure, yeah, and I live, have your cheering section. I, I live two hours from Birmingham, from the downtown Birmingham. So uh, even though I'm from Mississippi, I live right there on the line. And, yeah, I should have a pretty good turnout. Mm-hmm. You got anybody following you on the water? Dad going to come out and watch? If they can keep up with my Phoenix. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I mean, they, like, he tried to keep up with me at, at one elite event in Barnett, and uh, he just – I, I ran off and left him. He, four four hours later, I ran back by him. So <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, I'm sure I'll have a few follow me, and that's that's going to be something I'll have to tune out. But it'll be something special too. So what? I've got a question because obviously you know the classics in Birmingham this year. It's fishing on Gunners. Well, you got a little bit of a drive once you come off the water to get to the weigh in. Yeah. So you know, is is there a, a go to phone call or something you think you're going to make on that drive in? 
No, uh, I mean, I don't know. I, you know, my dad wants to drive me back and forth, but I also don't want my dad to know what I have until I weigh in. Mm-hmm. And so I don't, we haven't worked out all of the, all the details yet. I, I've rented a house for my family and friends in, in Gunnersville. Um, I think I'm going to, st- I'm going to stay in Birmingham with, uh, at the host hotel. And, uh, that way I can kind of be by myself and not get distracted too much. And, uh, you know, it's going to be a long drive every day, but uh, it would give me a good chance to wake up in the morning time. And uh, it kind of be like the old days being at home where you're driving an hour every morning to take off. So um, it's not nothing I've never done before, but, yeah, it's, it's going to be a good haul. I got a good Waffle House you can stop at, too, okay, just outside. Well, I better not eat Waffle House. <laughs> oh, that's a, that's a pregame ritual for me. Double hash browns, covered chunks, waffle, don't eat the rim. Oh, it's perfect. Every morning. I don't think I could do that. Oh, With shoot. the nerves I'll probably have the first morning or so. That's, I mean, talk about those nerves. I mean, have you been mentally preparing? I mean, you've been on the Elite, so you've, you've been in some big tournaments here. I mean, you've had the, the limelight, but, I mean, this is a classic. How does someone mentally prepare for that? I don't think I could do it. You know, I, I've been in contention to win elite events and the pressure that comes with it. And, uh, you know, I don't think you ever get used to that unless you're, you know, like the few that's won 10 or 20 events. But um, I got, I've gotten better at tuning it out. But one thing I've done this off season is watched um, old classics, um, even all the way back in the early 2000s, and see how – I watch guys and how they deal with it. Because, you know, Gunnersville's – the most famous lake probably in the southeast region and i've been there with locals and i know how locals treat you some can treat you on mm-hmm. the water um it's it's gonna be different you know it's gonna be uh one of them deals where you know i may lie on my bass track <laughs> if i get to catching them <laughs> hopefully i have that problem but you know it's uh it's gonna be a lot of a lot of distractions to deal with for mm-hmm. sure now, is your wife a big bass track watcher? Not not too bad. You know, she probably checks it once or twice a day. Uh, you know, she that's one good thing she says about her job, that she stays busy, that she won't get paranoid watching it. Now, my dad, he probably checks it every five or ten minutes. <laughs> He's hitting the refresh button, getting yeah. all those extra likes and views. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Now, does your wife travel with you at all during the off-season? Or not during the off-season, but just during the regular elite season? Um, She's a she's a teacher, so she's off during the summer. And uh, when she can in the summertime, she usually gets one or two events in every year. What grade she teach? She's uh she's actually a specialist or a dyslexia therapist. My wife does reading specialist. Yeah, yeah. My wife does yep. the same same deal. She just started that. Uh, she was a third grade teacher for ten years, and she did two years in Tupelo, and then moved to Birmingham. But she's a reading specialist. She loves it. Yeah. And I never realized about dyslexia. I thought it was always backwards, just numbers and stuff. But there's all kinds of different stuff kids get. It. No, absolutely. And uh, she enjoys helping kids one on one like that. And uh, you know, she. For a while, she don't consider hadn't didn't consider herself her teacher, but she that's you know she's pretty much that's what she does, and that's the easiest way to explain people what she does. Mm-hmm. You know, you start bringing up interventionists and stuff, they can't really. Yeah, they don't understand that absolutely. So um, after we get done with the classic, dust settles. Hopefully, you're holding a big trophy. What yeah, uh what other awesome. events are you looking forward to coming up on the schedule? You know, it's it's this is the. Not going to be my fifth year on the elites, and this is the first year where I've had where I've been to every lake on the schedule. Really? So uh, there'll be a little bit less unknown going on this year. Um, you know, I've always I'm a 
tough water guy, so I, the Sabine River would be fun for me just because that's kind of what I'm used to back home, fishing mm-hmm. for, you know, seven or eight bites a day. Um, you know, we're going to have some big-time events this year with big weights, and uh, it's going to start at St. John's River like we did last year, um, moving from there to Chickamauga, and you guys not being too far from there know what Chickamauga can produce, especially in February, and, you know, it's there's going to be several events where we're liable to break the century mark with several mm-hmm. different guys. So it's going to be an exciting year for sure. So you talk about the schedule this year. You've been to each one of the lakes. So when you go back to a lake that you've fished previously, you know, on practice days, the first thing you do, go check out some old stuff you've ran before, or is the first thing you're going to do is go check out some new stuff and try and find something new? Well, it depends, you know, um, on what time of year we go or if we're going back the same time. One thing, I've always been a big guy of going and pre-fishing, and it's really not about locating fish or areas. It's really about knowing what to expect and the conditions and where the fish are, where you think they'll be in a month. And, uh, you know, going to a place you've never been to before, it's kind of hard to imagine exactly what's going to be going on. So I won't have to do as much pre-fishing this year. I'll still go to a few just to give me something to do because I'm not fishing opens this year. Um, So... It's uh, it's one of them deals where you just it, – it cuts down the unknown when you go – when you're going back somewhere that you've been before. So speaking of practice, what's a typical – you're showing up, you show up Sunday night, you show up Monday morning. How do you – what's walk us through that practice uh, period for it, you. It depends on how far it is from home. Uh, if I'm going to – let's just say if I'm going to New York and practice starts on Monday morning, I'll, I would like to get there on Saturday afternoon to kind of give me a day to rest and catch mm-hmm. up. Uh which that means I would have to start driving on Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if I'm, say I'm going to Gunnersville from my house, I won't leave till Sunday afternoon, you know, just to get there because it won't be the wear and tear. Uh, you know, we put a lot of miles on our equipment every year, and uh, whether it's a truck or a boat trailer, and just getting there and getting settled in is takes a little bit off your shoulders. Mm-hmm. So first day you roll out to the water, do you put in at the, at the tournament launch side? Do you like to mix it up and go to different spots on the lake? I'll mix it up. You know, it depends, you know, uh, where we're at. You know, like, let's say uh, St. John's River. You know, we're putting in in Palaka, Florida. Uh, most of the guys run to Lake George, which is probably 30 minutes down. Uh, so we'll a lot of us will put in at Lake George instead of running down there and practice. But, uh, yeah, you know, it, it it varies. You know, sometimes sometimes it's not good to go make a long run like that, and it's better to stay close. So it really just kind of varies where we're at. And you've got the experience now with those lakes. Like, I remember the first time running the backside of Seven Mile on Pickwick. I was I was nervous. Yeah. But you've been here, you know how to run some of these waters. The Sabine, I mean, that can get hairy at oh, times, too. Yeah, that's another key fe- key feature for going and pre-fishing is just learning your way around these lakes because a lot of these lakes, I mean, you know, Santee Cooper is a sketchy lake. It's, oh, it it's, is. It's a sketchy place to run around. And, uh, you know, that having that knowledge of knowing where to run before you get to a place, it really cuts down the or helps you during practice because you have more time to fish and less time to worry about learning how to get around. And you grew up on Ross Barnett, so you know how rough and tough that can get out there. So Absolutely. You're no stranger to that. Absolutely. I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, you're good. Okay. <laughs> now, um, one other thing, too. I mean, you're a Southern guy. Uh, you fish a bunch of Southern tournaments, but you really seem to excel in some of those smallmouth tournaments. I mean, you had uh, – what was that uh, – St. Clair, was it the second place that you had up there? I had a second on St. Clair and a second on the St. Lawrence. And uh, 
you know, it. I really don't. Looking back, I did a lot of research, and uh, I think this was when I seen guys like Chris Lane went up north and uh, Todd Faircloth, and I'm like, man, these these southern guys can win up there. Mm-hmm. Not, you can't can't be intimidated by it. And really, I just kind of went and fished how I wanted to fish, and it just I was able to catch them the way I wanted to catch them, and uh, I had confidence in what I was doing. Now, I did spend some time up there. I spent a month that year uh, during the summer up there, pre, not pre-fishing in those lakes. I fished those lakes for a couple of days, but I stayed in, like, New York while those, those lakes were off limits and just, just fishing and learning different lakes and different techniques and, and gaining confidence in those techniques. So that, that played a big part of it. Well, how would you classify your style of fishing? Are you a grinder? I mean, you power uh, I, fisherman? You know, growing up around home, you have to be a grinder because that's what it takes. You know, we, usually the slugfest is not my my cup of tea. And uh, But, you know, looking back, I actually do a lot of looking back on each year. And this year, I had most of my success on the spinning rod, even when we was at Lake Gunnersville. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's it's kind of funny how you kind of change as an angler the more years you stay in it. And, uh you know, I hate to say it, but I, if I, that fairy wand keeps producing result, <laughs> results, you know, I'll keep throwing it. What uh, what what was it at Gunnersville? Just give us a little tip there. I was drop shotting, you know. Morning dawn. Yeah, morning dawn. There we go. You know, that's it. You know, that's it. <laughs> Gunnersville is the most pressured lake in the country. I knew that going in. I knew them fish had been on them ledges for over a month, and uh, I knew they probably seen every bait known to man, and uh, I was able to use the drop shot and I actually used my Garmin uh, live scope a lot mm-hmm. and it was able to keep up with the fish and I could actually pick off one or two fish away from the group and they were easier to get to bite. But, uh, it was one of them deals. Wasn't catching many, you know, 12 to 15 a day at most. And just piece by piece, put a bag together every day. Now you've been five years on the elite. So you're really, you're not a rookie anymore. I mean, most would call you a, a veteran. You've been on there. You put in your time. Talk about that first season on the Elites. Did you ever have an intimidation moment? Did anyone try to push you off any water? And, and then have you had any rookies come in on you now that you have been established? You know, this past year was probably the best year on the Elites. You know, I, and, you know, whatever the shakeup we had, we had a lot of guys, new guys come in, and a lot of guys that respected one another. Um, you didn't have the groups and the – that hung out with each other and a lot of guys that were still hardworking weekend anglers mm-hmm. and they know how to respect each other more, so to speak. But, uh, my first year, you know, as a rookie, I was, the intimidation was there, but, uh, you had to learn real quick to settle in and do what you're going to do. And don't worry about what everybody else is doing. Um, you know, my rookie year, you know, it was really hard at the time to come in as a rookie on the elite series if you had not fished another tour because, you know, the chances were the sponsor backing wasn't there yet. And that was added pressure. And now that we've changed where everybody gets paid at least something at each event, that pressure's not as there. You're not making that huge investment. that mm-hmm. you So, like, nowadays I think – you know, our entry fees are 43000 but you're going to win back at least 23000 So you're only investing 20000 rather than forty. 
I could save up for six months for one tournament then. That sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> so, it, you know, that that risk factor the first couple of years was a huge stress. And now it's not near stressful. But, you know, times have gotten better for me. You know, the more years you, you stay out on tour, the better things get, it seems like. So, um, but I still, you know, I, when we have our bass meetings, I'm still right there, you know, standing up for those rookies because I, I know it's just like yesterday what it's like coming in. Right, right. We talked to uh, Randall the other day and about how you get some guys that will come in um, to a tour and, I mean, they don't have that backing like you talked about. So fishing for a check versus doing what you do to try to even put yourself in a position to win or, or be worried about points. Did that – do you think now that you've had five years, you've kind of relaxed on that and you get to do more of what you do or – well, it, it helps you. It helps me relax for sure. Um, mm-hmm. I've always seen myself as a type of angler as Swindle is. Maybe not. I mean, I'm not as good as Swindle yet, but um, I'm a consistent guy. You don't, you know, Swindle hasn't won tournaments, you know, like he, everybody else has. He, I think he only has one career bass win. Um, and I see myself as that type of angler. Mm-hmm. I fish to be consistent, and uh, you know, as far as my style, I. I don't think I've changed my style of fishing, but the pressure clock isn't as as pushing on me as it was my first year. Mm-hmm. You know, my second year, halfway through the year, I didn't know if I was meant to do this or not. And then the uh, the last half of the season, I ended up winning over seventy thousand dollars. So that kind of gave me the confidence that hey, you know, this is what you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, without that, I think I was on my last leg. But, you know, here we are three years later, and I'm still here. Yeah, Seth Fighter had a similar story where he was Absolutely. almost about to close up shop and then goes in and, and gets uh, second in Mississippi and then comes back to Mille Lacs and yep. just, I mean, has yep. a first place. It's uh, it's crazy. And just like t- uh, 2013, had you gone on, you may not be where you're at now and, and had that experience. And, you know, me and Seth, you know, I mean – we come the same way, you know. We didn't fish the FLW tour on to get to the elites. We fished through the opens, and you know we jumped straight into the elites. So it's we definitely had similar stories in that regard. Now you traveling with anybody uh, this year? Actually, I, I, you know, I traveled in a group last year. I traveled with uh, uh, Lee Livesey, Luke Palmer, Tyler Rivette, and Brad Watley. <laughs> what are y'all, yeah. the Motley Phoenix crew? <laughs> yeah, and Caleb Summerall and. Uh, I will yeah. let a basket guy in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was it was most Phoenix, you know, and uh, you know we they're a good good group of guys, and I mean it's it was kind of refreshing having a whole new batch of guys come up and everybody got along. Mm-hmm. Uh, there wasn't any like groups of guys that wouldn't talk to other groups. It was just everybody got along, everybody unstu- understood and respected one another. Who's the messiest in that group? Oh God, probably. Uh, Caleb Summerall or Tyler Rivette, they're them two dudes are they're pretty rough. <laughs> <laughs> who's uh, who's always late out of that group? That'd probably be Summerall. He's he's so y'all man, just got to watch out for him. Yeah, he's got to take, take his medication. <laughs> <laughs> we know a guy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah but his ADD gets in. <laughs> I don't know what y'all are talking about. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Um, so. Got a kid on the way. Y'all got a name figured out? Are you gonna wait to figure it out? We gotta figure out. Uh, I think we won't know till. So you're gonna you want to find out, boy or girl? I want to find out. Absolutely. I want to know how much money I need to save up. (laughs) (laughs) Two weddings gets expensive, don't? (laughs) Yeah. Two weddings and that close together will be tough. Oh, she yeah. 
Yeah. Just talk, talk them into getting on the same day and just two for one. You know? <laughs> yeah. Maybe they'll marry a set of twins. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So, um, picking up the boat, running a 20 PHX this year. Um, let's talk a little bit. I mean, you've been in a Phoenix since 13. I mean, long, as long as I've known you, you've, you've always had a Phoenix like that 20 foot range. Um, what colors did we go with this year? Did you keep it simple? <laughs> Last year, or this past year, I sold mine uh, to a buddy of mine around home. And, uh, you know, I I usually have gotten all black or either uh, Galaxy Mist in that, in that color range. You know, it just seems to be a huge popular color the last few years. This year I changed it up. I'm actually going to have a have – a, I got a lot more white in my boat this year. Mm-hmm. And uh, – you know, in case it, somebody around home wants to buy this one, they won't be too similar to the one I've had last year. And uh, that was the reason. And I've always wanted a white boat, but I've had a white inside boat before. And trying to keep it clean is when you're on the road as much as we are is about impossible. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I always like a, a black interior boat. And, uh, you know, I think it's pretty. I hadn't seen it yet. Andy sent me a picture of it uh, a few weeks back. And, uh I'm pretty sure I'm gonna like it. It looks pretty sweet. Oh, it did. No, we saw it the other day in the parking lot. It looked, mm-hmm. uh, it looks good. Um, so, what's the first thing you do when you get your boat home after uh, you break in? I mean, do you put tackle in and then go break it in? You well, make it a trip, or you know, it's it's you know, I'll, I'll go home and I'll put my batteries in. I run lithium batteries for my trolling motor, and uh, I, I use the AGM for my cranking battery. And uh, I usually take it to the lake, crank it run it make sure everything works as far as my electronics because you know phoenix is actually one of the only boat companies that 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 puts all our stuff on our boat for for the anglers you know mm-hmm. you see all these other anglers having to go home to their dealership and uh put all their equipment on well you know nobody puts more equipment on than the factory itself you know so having phoenix do it takes a huge load off our shoulders and knowing all our stuff's going to be set up right mm-hmm There'll be a, a few kinks with the electronics, like updates and stuff. We have to get worked out, and then uh, then I'll go to putting uh, all my tackle in it. Excellent. Yeah, Duke does a good job for us. He's been yep. with us uh, about six years doing it now. And I know October to March, you can't find him, but he's in a pro boat somewhere. Well, it just goes back to that built by anglers for anglers. Mm-hmm. Oh, Duke's an yeah, Duke accomplished guy a, himself, too. Duke does an awesome job. I mean, it, it's when I can, all I have to do is put my batteries in my boat, man, that just takes a huge weight off our shoulders. Oh yeah. We were joking with Duke the other day. He, uh, we just got to Googling his stats. He's fished 148 tournaments and he's won $148,000. So he's getting a thousand dollars every time he that's puts pretty, his boat in the water on yeah, an average. That's pretty good. That's from BFLs <laughs> to coasts. I mean, that's pretty, that's more than me and Brian got together <laughs> plus 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, any kind of creature comfort things you had? When when you get home, I mean, any inspirational pictures or quotes or. I'm sure when my kid gets old enough to start drawing, I'll have some stuff. Um, I usually put a script, a different scripture every year, in uh, on my uh, on my console to kind of give me patience because you know fishing can be a very impatient sport, and it's a humbling sport. You know, it it can knock you in the teeth time to time, but uh, you know. It, that's that's really the only updates I do to it. That and like I said, I, when I pick it up, it's tournament ready. Mm-hmm. It's other than putting my boat, uh, my batteries in. Now, how do you like to lay it out uh, with your with your storage up front? And you got rods on both sides. I keep uh, no, I just keep. I, I'm the kind I don't 
I take whatever I'm going to use for that tournament. I don't I don't put a whole bunch of junk in my boat. I'm not an Aaron Martins. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not going to have like every little thing in my boat. I'm going to have what I need for that event, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that way I can get to it and find it quicker. So I I take a lot of stuff in and out from my truck to my boat, and uh, you know I I think the only two I don't mess with much is my back compartments. That's where I keep my my first aid kit, my uh, my fire extinguisher and my life jackets and that sort of thing. And, uh, my food for each day. But, uh, the, that's pretty much, you know, how I lay mine out. I keep it simple. You know, I, I like to be able to find stuff on the fly. So mm-hmm. I keep it simple. You're probably going to enjoy that slide and tackle system. Yeah. Be able to take that box <laughs> yeah. in and out if you like to pack stuff in and out. Yeah, absolutely. So what, uh, so we got food in the back. What, what's a boat snack for you? What, what do you always got to have in the boat with you? And during the during the spring and summer months, me and my wife like to eat sort of healthy. So uh, we get low carb tortilla wraps from Walmart, and I'll have that and peanut butter mm-hmm. during the day. If you know, a lot of days there's some days I don't eat at all, <laughs> but that's what I eat. And uh, I can tell you when <laughs> last year I had I left didn't put my lid on very well at St. Clair, <laughs> and then I opened up my back compartment. There was peanut butter all over the place, and I can tell you it don't take it long to mold. <laughs> <laughs> What about uh, what about boat drinks? What do you eat? Water? A lot of water. Dry Coke, Mountain Dew? A lot of water, and I'm a Diet Dew person. That and uh, I'll have Spark with my water uh, for an ener- energy drink every day. What's Spark? I've never heard of that. It's an Avocare energy drink. It's better for you. So. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Drew Brees was selling that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I'm still not throwing good, but... It's be- it's, I don't think you know, that's Drew's fault. <laughs> when I was drinking Monster Drinks, I would get like the shakes. Really? <laughs> it would make me work the worm a lot mm. better. <laughs> <laughs> sitting there with the shaky head. Just, <laughs> I was, uh, you'd be sitting there shaking. And be like, There's no dead this sticking after Monsters. <laughs> <laughs> Shoot, that's awesome, man. Well, uh, so uh, back to the boat, uh, just real quick. I mean, what, uh, what has drawn you from going from your 920 originally to that single lid layout is it like you talked about being organized and being able to find everything in one compartment or uh, yeah absolutely having that one big compartment i can have everything right there in front of me and uh i like the day box right in front of the console um i really don't put a whole lot i'm i think i have an extra life jacket in another rod locker on the right side but uh the day box and the big box everything's right there in front of you mm-hmm. and yeah you, you know i can even put rods in there if i want to if i want to get to my rods i'm gonna be using that day that i know for sure i'm gonna have out whether it's just three or four i can put them in that middle apartment and take them out you know instead of having to dig through a bunch of rods and hooks trying to get them out through my rod locker so that that's one thing i like about the box you know splitting it up into two i wasn't putting able it was it kind of weird you know i had stuff to kind of slide up that i couldn't reach so i, I like the big box mm-hmm. to my preference what uh what's one of your favorite phoenix options that you get when you order your boat um for a tournament angler you know you're you're always going to get wet and your boat's going to get wet i love having fans on my boat um from a guy that pulls his boat ten thousand miles every year at least having shocks on the trailer that's a must that's one of my favorites for the trailer absolutely yeah, you got to have shocks because you don't even feel the boat back there when you have shocks mm-hmm. on the trailer the fans in the compartments and the padded deck. Padded deck. Them shocks definitely make a difference going over those bridge crossings and not seeing your boat just bounce. And oh, I th- absolutely. I think one of my favorite going along with that padded deck is that padded cooler lid. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, every time I always find myself kneeling down right there to get in that big center box, having that padded cooler lid is just 
Oh, I love it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, awesome, man. Well, look, we uh, we know you got to get back home, get the boat on the water, but we really appreciate you uh, taking time out. Uh, good luck next year, and uh, tell your wife to take it easy. Good luck with it. the new child. I appreciate it, and I hope you guys don't get to see me in the booth at the Classic. Yeah, we're, <laughs> we're hoping not to. I'm not too. fishing, I'll be in the booth. <laughs> but, but we do want you to make sure you keep your phone by you because we're definitely going to be calling you throughout the season and see oh, if we absolutely. can get you on the phone and interview you again. Oh, yeah, we'll absolutely do it. All right, y'all. Well, you've been listening to We Fish with Phoenix Boats podcast. We will catch you guys next time.